0: This is a podcast from WSUM. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not reflect the views of WSUM, the University of Wisconsin-Madison, or its Board of Regents.
1: You're listening to the Jump Around Podcast from WSUM Sports. What's going on, everybody? And welcome back into another episode of the Jump Around podcast from WSUM Sports. Anthony Winker alongside John Green, and happy to be joined by former WSUM Sports Director and now play by play voice of the Chicago Blackhawks, Chris Fosters. How's it going today, Chris?
2: Hey, I'm doing well. Uh, currently on the road with the team north of the border in Winnipeg, Manitoba. So. Some snow on the ground, a little chilly up here. Definitely feels like December, but I know it gets pretty cold in Madison, too. So good to be on with you guys.
0: Yeah, Thanks for joining us, Chris. Uh, I mean, you're talking about being on the road with the Blackhawks, of course. Uh, I think we have to go and mention, what's it like covering rookie Connor Bedard in his first year? I mean, that's got to be quite interesting.
2: On a personal note, it's uh, it's a ton of fun for me to just have a front row seat to the start of Conor Bedard's career, certainly one of the most hyped amateur athletes to enter the highest level of his sport professionally, uh, I I think, in some time. And it's, uh, I got to say, it's it's a real special experience for me to just be able to cover his career this closely and see how it unfolds, especially in this very, very preliminary stage. So, He's uh, he's a ton of fun to watch on the ice, of course, and he's equally impressive with how he's handled all of the pressure, all of the media scrutiny, and all of the fan adoration that has come with his already superstar status. Every hotel we pull up to on the road, whether it's uh, in the middle of the night or middle of the afternoon, there's a big crowd waiting outside seeking autographs and, They've made signs for him and all this stuff. And so it's it's a lot to be thrown at an 18-year-old. When I was an 18-year-old, I mean, I, I hadn't even hosted my first radio show at WSUM yet. and And here he is playing in the National Hockey League and is already the face of the Blackhawks. So it's been really impressive how he's handled all of the buzz off the ice. And it's really exciting to just think about where his career is headed.
0: As you mentioned the age thing, I, I certainly think about that now when I see like players drafted at a certain age. I'm like, wow, I'm already older than that, <laughs> and yeah, I'm know. here it's broadcasting crazy. them. Uh, but I mean, staying up with the Blackhawks here. Talk about going on the on the road with them. What's that like traveling with a professional team?
2: Well, it's a lot of fun, and it it's um, you know it's definitely a, a pinch me moment. Still, this is my second year with the team, and I Before I was in the National Hockey League, um, actually a couple of steps before I was with the Blackhawks, I was a, a minor league baseball broadcaster. And I was announcing games for the single-A affiliate of the Los Angeles Dodgers in the Midwest League. So we were going around small towns in Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, etc. And, I mean, that, that was a great experience for me. But we were staying in... Super 8 Motel 6 caliber hotels and, you know, eating ballpark hot dogs and riding uh, the team bus, you know, for four or five, even eight-hour road trips. And it's um, just a much different experience um, with travel at, at the National Hockey League level. So I really appreciate the hotel accommodations we stay in flying uh, on the on the charter plane and uh you know just the, the the world-class travel and accommodations that were afforded by traveling with the Blackhawks so it's it's still difficult you know it, it's a lot of it's a lot of late nights a lot of late flights um, you know playing a playing a game at seven o'clock and driving to the airport right after and getting to your hotel room in the next city maybe one two three o'clock in the morning but Um, that's uh, just part of what comes with the job. Every every job has its difficult aspects and big picture. It's a, it's a ton of fun and I really enjoy it.
1: Would you say that you prefer having kind of just following a team, covering one team more than maybe some of the kind of freelance national stuff that you've been doing in the past as well with big (laughs) 10?
2: That's a great question and they're different. And I like, aspects of both i would say i i think if i had to choose i i would say that i prefer the you know being with a team in the in the capacity that i am now and in the capacity that i was when i was with the great lakes loons in minor league baseball it's just nice being with a team every day and just being aware like just building in team activities into your daily routine so you know the roster inside and out you have a a high level of familiarity with the coaching staff with your broadcast partner Um, there's a lot of repeatability that just gets rolled in to the next game and it helps with your preparation when you can just reflect back on what you saw in practice the previous day and you're not always preparing for one or two new teams for every game. Um, you know that being said, I, I really like doing network level coverage um, where you're on like a beat maybe more than covering one team specifically. So I am I, I, being a big Ten guy, obviously going to the University of Wisconsin, I, I love my time with the Big Ten network. those are schools that I grew up following and rooting for in Wisconsin's case. So there's a a high level of familiarity with doing big 10 games. And it's nice too, you know, covering like kind of a game of the week, whether it's doing big 10 volleyball or big 10 basketball or something like that, you kind of get to, to swoop in and do a marquee matchup or something like that. So there are, there are fun aspects that I've really enjoyed about, about both, scenarios but they are different
0: are there any times like where as a blackhawks announcer do you maybe miss a game perhaps it goes to national tv and you have another assignment and then you have to, uh, to make sure do you have to watch that back or uh, are you basically watching all these games live i would
2: say that i i i pretty much watch all of the blackhawks games live even the games that are on for the blackhawks that are on national television i'll either be there in person watching in the press box just not calling it um, or watching on on TV at home so uh, i I don't really and 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 that's very important for me too personally even the the Blackhawks games that I don't do because they're on TNT or ESPN it's still really important for me to watch those games to just continue to go through the at least simulation of doing every game because if I if I miss a, a Blackhawks game, then I, I feel a little bit out of the loop in a way just because you're with the team every day and one day off, so to speak, can kind of make you feel like you've missed something. So um, I, I really try and watch every Blackhawks game live and obviously the vast majority of the games I'm announcing them, but even the ones that I'm not, I still try and watch live and then I try and—whoever the Blackhawks are playing next, I try and watch that team's previous game as well, but that's usually on demand more often than not.
0: And then in terms of, you know, having to cover them about basically year-round, uh, you know, here at WCM we're told to maybe be mostly neutral towards, like, the Wisconsin teams. Big 10 Plus we're told to be neutral towards the teams. Uh, for the Blackhawks, would you say you maybe sway towards Chicago a bit, or you uh try not to overdo it?
2: I I think definitely. Look, like you got to know your audience, right? And I and I think when when you're the when you're doing a Chicago Blackhawks game on NBC Sports Chicago, the vast majority of people tuning into that game have a rooting interest in the Blackhawks. So, um, you know, instead of so, yes, to, the short answer to your question is is yes, I definitely I would say skew towards, you know, it's definitely a, a pro Blackhawks call or at least a a call that is a broadcast narrative, I guess, that is told through a Blackhawks centric lens. Um, I, I guess where I try and use a little bit of discretion is maybe not being an outright homer um, and being so, so blinded by um you know, loyalty to the Blackhawks that I'm, you know, rooting against, like vocally rooting against the other team. I I try and instead just maybe celebrate or emphasize the good moments for for the Blackhawks and just kind of reinforce positivity that way. Um, But but I do try and uh, still pay attention to the other team, of course. Uh, You know, I think it's still really important to even on a hometown broadcast, identify who the key players are on the other team, what the major storylines are surrounding the team that you're playing. I think that's really important for telling a a whole and complete story of that particular game.
1: I, I am curious because you did kind of mention that, obviously, you personally don't want to be a major homer, obviously, and that's, and that's good, but there are some broadcasters as well out there who definitely, I'd say, are and some very good broadcasters who I think are homers as well. So I mean, like the the true true homers. So I mean, do you think that that kind of style of broadcasting is is still fine, or and what are, what are your thoughts, kind of just on some of the announcers that do choose to be really big homers, and and just thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I, I think. Uh... I think that fans, especially on, on local broadcasts, they really want to hear that their local announcer is passionate about their team and sort of shares the passion that they have as fans toward their team. And And I, I certainly want to convey that as well. Um, I, I, I think that you can... Uh, but, but also, along with that, I want to have a very professional broadcast. And so I think if you can if you can convey um, that you care about the the athletes on the team, you care about the coaches, you know, you care about the success of the team that you're broadcasting because you know how hard that they work. I mean, you see them at practice every day. you see them on the on the team playing every trip you know, the work that they're putting in, you know, I think if you can, that's, I guess, for me, what I try and convey. That's how I try and show that, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm the Blackhawks announcer at the end of the day. I think there's a line that you can cross into a lack of professionalism on a broadcast, maybe where you um, second guess coaching decisions or state your opinion on uh, calls made on the field where you know maybe you, maybe you berate the referees or something like that. So I, I think you can cross a line into just being unprofessional. And I think at the end of the day you have to remember that fans are tuning in to watch their team play. They're not tuning in to listen to you as the announcer. And so I think when some announcers put themselves, in this elevated position of, of thinking that oh the audience is is here to listen to what I have to say I think then you can sort of stray into you know maybe being too big of a too big of a homer um, and I don't know this is my personal opinion at this point it, you know that it's a uh, broadcasting is I think more much more subjective than objective um and and so i think you have to know again getting back to what i said before about knowing your audience i think in pro sports they in, in pro sports major market like chicago i i think it's better to have um a more buttoned up polished call than maybe if you're the play-by-play voice of a of a college team in a in a small town somewhere um where there's you know just a different sort of relationship between the fans and the team
1: yeah for sure that that definitely makes sense so uh yeah thanks for thanks for sharing this is talking with chris Foster's uh play by play voice of Chicago. Blackhawks. Obviously Chris you stepped in for a pretty big time legend in the in the Chicago sports industry and Pat Foley and can you kind of just talk about what that transition was like for you and uh, what it was like kind of taking over because I know it was a pretty interesting process when they kind of knew that he was stepping away and they had had like a bunch of different guys coming in and doing games. You did a few, a couple other guys did a few. And uh, can you just kind of take us through the process of what it took to end up getting this job and then what it's like to kind of follow in the footsteps of such a, a broadcasting legend in, in your industry?
2: Sure. I, you know, it, you're right. It was, it was an interesting process um, about it, you know, as far as what the Blackhawks did to name a successor to Pat, And I was approached along with several other candidates to fill in for Pat for a variety of games during his final season. He was scaling back, not doing a a full 70-game schedule or whatever it was with the national commitments. He wasn't traveling on as many road trips. So there was an opportunity there for me to call some Blackhawks games. And that, that was all I really approached it as, especially in the beginning. I wasn't, uh, you know, I, I never went as far as to think, Hey, I'm, I'm really competing to be Pat's, you know, to, to follow Pat. Um, it, to me, it was all it was, was just a great opportunity to call NHL games in a, in a major market for an original six franchise. And if that's all that it had ever been, I would have had some great tape to put on my reel it would have been a big step for me in in my career development and you know i think it would have certainly helped me get to my next step whatever that may be may have been uh as it turned out you know it 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 was just a a great experience for me not just calling the games but covering the team going to practice getting to know the staff in the front office at the United Center and the the relationships that I built with people on and around the team I think really helped me realize that it that it was a great it was a great opportunity and a great fit to do more than just a handful of games as a as a fill-in so that's that's what what you learn about really all jobs you know we're talking about broadcasting here but Um, You know, lots of jobs look good on paper. Lots of people think that they have a dream job. But when it comes to (laughs) the reality of the situation, it's got to be a good fit. You have to get along with your coworkers. You have to believe in the vision um, that and sort of the direction that, in this case, the the team is going on and, and the leadership direction that is put forth by ownership and management. Uh, it's got to make sense for the stage of life that you're in uh personally and professionally you know being in chicago is close to home for me um i was not married at the time i i started doing blackhawks games but i was dating and so i was i was thinking about my relationship status you know i was thinking about my my life with another person not just myself so there are a lot of things uh, ancillary to just being the Blackhawks play by play voice that lined up perfectly for me at this moment in my life. And so all of those things made it a great fit. As far as replacing Pat, uh, you know, a, a guy who's in the Hockey Hall of Fame who had been the voice of the team for 39 years, I, I, I totally understand from a fan perspective how difficult it is to. Get used to a new play-by-play guy, and I, I know because I am a sports fan myself. And growing up in Wisconsin, I have, I still have my favorite announcers. I still, I still consider Matt Lapay one of my favorite announcers in any sport, any medium. And, and, and listening to Badger football and basketball games will never be the same when he's no longer there. And I would say the same about Bob Euchre and the Milwaukee Brewers as well. So I totally get that it's, uh, you know, fans have a very intimate and special relationship with the announcers for their local teams. And I never, never let, I, I never let myself be intimidated by that. I, but I was just very open and upfront about being my own person, calling the game, my way bringing my own style and flair and personality to the broadcast, um, out of respect to myself and out of respect to Pat, because if I try and be someone I'm not, then that's doing myself a disservice. It's doing the fans a disservice and it's, you know, also doing the guy that I'm copying a, a, a disservice as well. So, mm. and Pat was great to me through the process. Also, you know, he, uh, we, we talked, um, as I was kind of onboarding with the Blackhawks and he was always great about reminding me that it, you know, when it, when I'm in the booth, it's my booth and he doesn't have any sort of invisible bearing or presence on, on things when, when I'm in the chair. And so that, that, I really appreciated him saying that. And that also kind of gave me the freedom to just kind of do go in there and, and do my thing. And it's been uh It's certainly been a learning process, but it's been a lot of fun, and the fans have been really great about everything.
1: Yeah, for sure, and that's very very cool to hear, and by the way, you said you did grow up in Wisconsin. I am kind of curious, trying to get a a Wisconsinite perspective, because obviously, Wisconsin does not have an NHL team, and me and my enormous amount of pull have been banging the drum for Milwaukee (laughs) to get a team, uh, because I think that'd be awesome, but obviously, not yet, but... I mean, is the hometown team the Blackhawks for Wisconsin, or is it the Wild? I haven't really – I don't really – I'm not really 100% sure. I've heard conflicting things.
2: I think you can make an argument both directions, and it was really interesting. So, well, and, and I can answer this a couple of different ways. I know that my parents, for example, um, who live in the Milwaukee suburbs, they, they get Minnesota Wild games – on television, and they they never get Blackhawks games, even though Chicago in proximity is much closer yeah. to Milwaukee than Minneapolis or Saint Paul is. Um, you know, the Valley Sports uh, affiliation is in Milwaukee, and not NBC Sports. There's not an NBC RSN regional sports network in Milwaukee, so it's ironic. But I think the Wild are more accessible on linear television in Milwaukee than the Blackhawks are. So going into previous the, the previous season, the Blackhawks had an exhibition game against the Wild at Fiserv Forum in Milwaukee, the home of the Bucks, of course. And I did that game, and I was surprised, frankly, at how many Minnesota Wild fans were there. The game was a sellout. Um, but I, I would say it was close to a 50-50 split between fans in Blackhawks jerseys and, and fans in, in wild sweaters. And then there was also, and, and there is also, and I do know this, a, a, a fairly sizable pocket of Nashville Predators fans in Milwaukee because of the affiliation with the Milwaukee Admirals yeah, who have yeah. been – The Predators AHL affiliate since the Predators joined the NHL 25 years ago. So, um, I thought it was a cool event having the Blackhawks preseason game in Milwaukee. It almost, it almost felt like an all-star game type atmosphere in terms of fan representation. You saw lots of different Blackhawks and wild and just other NHL team gear from across the league. So, um, Kind of hard to pinpoint, but I definitely know that there are Blackhawks fans in Milwaukee and there are Blackhawks bars in Milwaukee. So it's kind of a, uh, I guess, a melting pot of NHL fandom.
1: Sounds like they need their own team then, huh?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's funny you say that. I mean, because I, I, I certainly think that exhibition will be revisited by the NHL in the not too distant future. Obviously, the, the future of the Arizona Coyotes franchise in Metropolitan Phoenix is up in the air. But I, got, I don't, I don't want to rain on your parade, but when I hear NHL exhibition or relocation cities mentioned, I hear places like Houston, Salt Lake City, yeah, Kansas City, um, even Atlanta again before I, I hear of Milwaukee.
1: Yeah, I, I I keep up with some of that stuff, and it is obviously tough. But I I just I do think that it'd be it'd be so good if they could make it happen because you got obviously the stadium that's already proven that they can handle hockey and in Pfizer between obviously the exhibition between the Wild and the Blackhawks, and then the Quick Trip Holiday Face Off that they host every year for uh, the, like the Wisconsin Men's Hockey. And then you also have so many natural rivalries. You wouldn't have, if they moved Arizona to Milwaukee, you wouldn't have to mess up divisions. It just feels it feels so perfect in my in my head. But yeah, obviously it does seem like they're looking other directions. But uh, you know, it is what it is. I guess.
2: I, I think I think it it could be a a sleeping giant for sure. I think Wisconsin as a state has got a, a rich hockey history and tradition. There's certainly a lot of. NHL players who have come from the state obviously there's a there's a huge college fan base in Wisconsin because of the Badgers history on both the men's and women's side so I I think there would definitely be fertile ground for for an NHL team to take root there and and yeah as as a Wisconsin guy I I would be all for that I think that would be a lot of fun also
0: yes now transitioning perhaps to the state of Wisconsin and your time at WSUM or calling games in general on radio for Wisconsin. Uh, Any maybe games that just jump out at you that you recall from your time here at WSUM or calling women's hockey?
2: Uh, Absolutely. I mean, um, like men's, men's men's and women's hockey for sure. I did a lot of men's hockey games on the radio, and that was the first sport that I ever called on WSUM. I, I completed my training in the fall semester right as the, the hockey and basketball seasons were getting going. And as you can imagine, I'm, you know, this, this is probably still the case. There was obviously a, a long line of people who wanted to call football and men's basketball games and oh, yeah. football. There are just so so few games on the schedule to begin with that you can call, um, so hockey, you know, there were two games a weekend. It's a really long season. There were just tons of opportunities to get on the air doing, doing hockey. So um, that, that will always, you know, I'll always have a soft spot in, in my heart for the sport because of really I, I feel in some ways it's where I got my start. And then, you know, the women's team was, was so good. They're still so good, obviously. Um, they won a national championship my sophomore year. Uh, I did not call it. It was it was still kind of when I was ramping up my involvement at the student radio station. But I remember, uh, you know, my senior year and my junior year taking trips to the WCHA uh, final face off. One year we went up to to Amsoil Arena in Duluth, which was a ton of fun. Um, you know, they built and opened Leban Arena in my time at the school and started doing Student U broadcast there. So I, mm-hmm. that was my first foray into, into television announcing beyond just radio. Um, but I, I would say the, the game for me that will would be number one that I called on the student radio station would have been the, the 2013 Rose Bowl game. So that would have been the 2012 season between Wisconsin and Stanford. Uh, Just because it was the Rose Bowl and it was, you know, the Badgers went to three straight Rose Bowls when I was a student there. They lost them all, sadly, and uh, had a chance to win all three. The Stanford game was probably the most boring of the three, but, uh, you know, that was a a pretty mediocre Wisconsin team that um, really only qualified for the Rose Bowl because of, NCAA violations committed by Ohio state, which precluded them from, from playing in the Rose bowl that year. So, um, but, but still it was a, it was a tremendous experience. We were literally on the, on the roof of Rose bowl stadium with like the, the snipers with these, you know, just absolutely (laughs) enormous sniper rifles next (laughs) to us. Uh, And it, you know, just a, that, that backdrop, that of course you see on television every year with the mountains in the background. It was it was a uh, it was really really cool. Just traveling, going out there with all the equipment and 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 your buddies and uh, getting on the air. And it was uh,
0: it was a ton of fun. Yeah, I mean during at least my time and maybe concluding Anthony's time. I don't think Wisconsin will have the luxury of going to the Rose Bowl. Yeah, uh, probably not. We've, we've had the guaranteed <laughs> yeah. Ray Bowl and probably the Music City Bowl
1: this year. Yeah, and then the other thing well, too is that 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 was cool that you mentioned. Me and John both had the opportunity to go to Duluth last year for the Frozen Four for the women's hockey team, and that that was an absolute blast as well. So
2: that's awesome. That's a great. That's a great arena up there. Duluth is a really cool town, I think. Um, and if if the Badgers get the Music City Bowl, I mean, hey, Nashville's a, a pretty easy drive. I'm excited. Dude, that's uh, yeah, that'd be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, I got my fingers crossed there. Nashville, very fun city, I've been I, I hear. So I'm definitely that's that's where me selfishly is hoping that Wisconsin ends up, but
2: it is a it is a great city, having having been there for uh, Blackhawks Predators games and then uh, b- baseball hosts their winter meetings in, in Nashville periodically and I when I was in minor league baseball I would always go to the winter meetings, so Nashville's a great town. I would stay away from Broadway, at least in terms of where you find a place to stay. Just go there and visit, but don't don't pick a hotel close to Broadway because it'll be you. You won't get much sleep. It'll be pretty loud. <laughs> <wild. laughs>
0: we'll keep that in mind for sure. In terms of also time here, and you know, you mentioned you did uh, minor league baseball uh, for the Loons. Did you call any softball during your time here at Wisconsin?
2: Absolutely, yes. Uh, and you know that's another thing that uh, if I had. You know, if I if I ruled the world, I would uh, I would bring a baseball yes. team back to back to Wisconsin. But um, no, had some yeah. great had some great times calling Wisconsin softball at Goodman Diamond. Um, you know, and, and again, like just thinking back to the mindset that I was in when I was in college, I, I was like, OK, I get all these great experiences calling football or covering football, basketball, hockey, um, at, at, you know, just through the student radio station. And then, you know, softball was a great spring sport, but then just realizing that I didn't have any baseball on my resume, that's mm-hmm. kind of what initially propelled me to start looking for jobs in minor league baseball and in summer collegiate baseball. And, and, um, so, you know, I, I had never, like, I, I didn't know how to fill out a scorebook <laughs> until I started doing softball games at, uh, at wisconsin so um you know just some i i I really learned some really great kind of foundational things um about broadcasting in my time at wisconsin that i that i have carried with me throughout throughout my career and you know kind of can trace my my time um back to those those original moments and experiences so yeah it was uh that that was a ton of fun
0: i'd say on the baseball side uh i personally uh I'm from l a so I'm a Dodgers fan, so when you've mentioned the loons, i got you know uh, I'm a bit interested in there. Do you recall any you know like players or prospects that you got to announce during your time there like because I think was it walk I think Walker Bueller and Will Smith may have been there during your time
2: absolutely yeah no i, I the so the Dodgers during my time with the loons had one of the top farm systems and all of baseball and they still do. But uh, yeah, like the, so the loons won the Midwest league championship in 2016 and Walker Bueller was on that team. Um, you know, I, like, we, we went out to uh went out to a bar in downtown Midland, you know, one of three in the whole town <laughs> afterwards and, and celebrated that uh, championship. So that was, <laughs> that was a pretty special night and will smith came along the following year in 2017 i believe but he was there during my time there gavin lux um you know another another wisconsin guy from from kenosha as a matter of fact was on the loons when i was there dustin may um you know even even like uh victor gonzalez who closed out the world series for the dodgers in 2020 he was a Great Lakes Loon, um, uh, Tony Gonsolin. I mean, it was uh, yeah, Zach McKinstry. Just uh, tons, tons of guys, tons of guys. It was a, uh, it was a lot of fun seeing those prospects kind of, kind of come up.
0: As for, I mean, uh, I know you mentioned Gonsolin. I don't know how much there was about his obsession with cats back then, because I know <laughs> Joe Davis for the Dodgers mentions that a lot. Uh, but how, <laughs> do you ever try and force like for Walker Bueller, You know. I mean, it seems like it's on that pedestal, but the whole Ferris Bueller stuff just have to get it in there.
2: Well, it, it you know, needless to say, it was discussed. Um, his last name is spelled differently than Ferris Bueller's last name, so you know, it's not like it's not an exact reference, I guess that you can that you can make. And uh, but but his you know he leans into it. I mean his his Twitter handle is yeah. Bueller's Day Off, yeah. so. Um, you know, he's he obviously he he leans into it and plays it up. I didn't I didn't want to, you know, go over the top or anything <laughs> like that or beat a dead horse. But yeah, it was yeah. it was totally mentioned.
1: You, I mean, that's 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 the easy stuff as a broadcaster. You kind you gotta yeah. you gotta get those in for sure. Yeah, um,
2: yeah, that's that's the easy stuff. But then when it's you know when it's an eight one game in the right. in the seventh inning and you know all the fans have left, that's uh, that's when you really of work for your your paycheck
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah for sure Uh, in in terms of you know obviously you've pretty but pretty young age actually honestly have had a pretty decent career for yourself so far and obviously for aspiring broadcasters like most of us obviously here at WSUM uh, what's the biggest piece of advice that you that you have that you've received or that you've just kind of learned throughout your career that uh, would be that, the stuff that you think that young broadcasters should know?
2: Well, I, I think that what, what has allowed me, you know, there, there are several several things, you know, uh, certainly a combination of, of luck and good fortune and being in the right place at the right time and, and good skill and relationship building and getting to know and, and meeting the right people. I guess breaking it down in, into a, a couple general categories, um, being at Wisconsin and, and being at the student radio station gave me so many reps, so many opportunities on air to just refine hmm. my delivery, learn my, my cadence, my pace, my rhythm, um, you know, work on my work on my play-by-play skills, but also work on my conversation skills, work on on opening and closing a broadcast, working on getting in and out of commercial break, Uh, working with an analyst. And so, as I said, I I did football and men's and women's basketball, men's and women's hockey, um, softball, volleyball, wrestling. I mean, I I did so many sports, and that was my – uh, that that was my approach coming out of college as well. I, I took that with me into the into and, and still have it with me to this day, But especially in the early years of my career out of college, it was all about reps and just finding a way to do as many games as I possibly could, because I think that's that's the the best way to get better is just by rinsing and repeating and going through the process time and time again and then you couple that with self-evaluation you got to take the time to sit down and listen to you know it doesn't have to be the entire broadcast but you got to take the time to listen to a couple minutes a segment a quarter a period whatever of your of your games you gotta sort of monitor yourself and identify things that you didn't notice when you were calling the game but hey maybe I I wanted to call this a little bit differently or I said too much here or not enough there. I could have set up my analyst better here. You've got to you've got to get the reps but then also do something with it and and you do that by listening to yourself on tape or watching yourself on camera and then get feedback from other people. And that that's how you not only get better but also get your name out there. And the networking the networking component is huge and uh, brand building is huge, and you gotta put yourself out there to other people in the industry, and you gotta put yourself out there on social media as well, and uh, just let people know that you're out there and what you're up to and what you're doing, and um, you, that that's I guess kind of the big picture bullet points that I would that I would suggest to people who are looking to to get a start in this
0: uh i i know you got practice soon so uh for the blackhawks uh upcoming so uh if you have anything else you want to say feel free to get it out here but i think that might do it all for us
2: well cool i know good to be on with you guys um enjoy talking about sports and the industry with you and and just keep doing what you're doing you're doing the exact same things that I was doing when i was in school 10 years ago and um you know the the same opportunities that were there for me are are there for you and um you know just take advantage of your youth and uh you know and the fact that all of these changes that people talk about in the industry are just what you grew up with and what you know so use that to your advantage um you know change has a way of um, you know, creating opportunities for other people, and it it uh, is transitionary. It moves some people out of the industry. It moves people into different roles within the industry. So just uh, just take advantage of that. Get as as I said, get as many reps as you can, and build your network, and just uh, promote yourself on your social media channels, and um, just. Keep keep doing something small every little day, and just keep stacking stacking reps and stacking wins.
1: All right, Chris, thank you so much for taking the time. i will let you go get to practice. Good luck to you, and less so for me to the Blackhawks as a <laughs> Wild fan, but uh, but uh, obviously, good luck the, with the rest of the season and, and moving forward.
2: Sounds good. Yeah, it looks like it looks like uh, as you know as, as difficult as it is seeing. Ah, uh, Dean Evason get get fired. John Hines has has uh, looked like he's been a breath of fresh air for the Wild. So, but uh, yeah, it's a great, great, good old Central Division rivalry. So no no offense taken. Don't worry.
0: <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Chris.
2: All right. See you guys. Be good and yeah. Keep in touch.
1: All right. That was Chris Vosters, play-by-play voice of the Chicago Blackhawks. Appreciate him taking some time out of his extremely, extremely busy schedule with, obviously, the Blackhawks in season to be our our guest for this episode of Jump Around. And obviously, that was like a 40-minute interview. So it took took up a lot of time. And I think that's going to officially wrap it up for this episode of the Jump Around podcast. Thanks again for tuning in. Uh, And as always, uh, you can obviously find the rest of the episodes. We've done a lot of cool work with a bunch of different guests and a bunch of cool stuff. And obviously we hope to bring a lot more of these fun interview guests, kind of type of podcast to you moving forward. So thanks again for listening and for the support. And as always on Wisconsin, Anthony and John signing off. Thanks to David Giardino and Isabel Kramer for contributing the music for this podcast.